Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Greetings, fellow WNYXicans. I'm Thaddeus, and I am today's host, and I'm here with Tom. Hello. And Lauren. Hi there. Today's podcast for the episode Xmas Story is a special holiday podcast episode for us. So while we will still go over our usual favorite categories, in part B we're going to dip into some special holiday questions. This episode is pulled not from our conveyor belt, but from behind our holiday tree with a dash of our holiday flasks. Different (laughs) format, same fun. Welcome to the Hoodoo Factory holiday party episode. Now, Lauren, a.k.a. Rudolph, a.k.a. My nose was only red because it was cold, you guys, is going to lead the way, see what I did there, with our Agent Zero, pew pew, plot synopsis. <laughs> nice touch. All right. Xmas Story was Season 2, Episode 10. It originally aired on December 19th, 1995, which was a Tuesday. The staff pooled their money to get Mr. James a piece of sports memorabilia as a gift. In return, they received some cheap hats with their names stuck over company logos. Once Dave reveals to Mr. James that everyone hates the hats, Jimmy tries to make it up to them by buying them all Miatas. Everyone, that is, except Matthew. Matthew instead receives the gift of Fibber McGee and Molly, an old-timey radio show from when they didn't have to do all that dirty stuff. Bill believes the Santa Claus in the lobby is trying to kill him. No one takes him seriously, even as the Santa's death threats gradually increase. Eventually, the Santa corners Bill in the men's room and reveals he just wanted Bill's attention so he could listen to his demo tape. It turned out Santa wasn't out to kill Bill after all. Or was he? (laughs) I like when you get the cliffhangers, even the synopsis. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you, Lauren. Um, So again, for the most part, we're going to cover the same categories as a normal show. But in true holiday fashion, we are not going to compete in this episode. We're just going to let the spirit of giving great answers guide our discussion. Starting with our round one categories, a.k.a. Absa Round of Roaring Fire. And uh, this this fire is figurative, not literal. (laughs) Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) Fire safety is very important. We support fire safety at this podcast. (laughs) Do not check the sprinklers. (laughs) They're not hooked up to anything. All right. So round one categories, Absa Round of Roaring Fire. We're going to start off by just talking about some of our favorite scenes. All right, so uh, Lauren, what was probably your favorite scene in this episode? Um, I think a favorite scene for me is the cold open. Um, 
partly because we get participation from most of the cast members and we get Bill trying to be all charming, you know, doing his like all his like uh, car salesman kind of voices and then doing the quick switch to like terrified and furious at the same time. And we get Junior and Lorenzo, which, you know, we all love us some Junior and Lorenzo. And of course, cap it off with a Matthew Pratt fall. It's just like chef's kiss. That's true. A little bit of everything, a little bit for everyone. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's a great choice. It is a, it is one of the better openers, especially for a holiday episode that you're going to mm-hmm. get. Um, Tom, what is one of your favorite scenes from this episode? Well, we can call this last bit uh, how Lauren stole my answer. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, the next one that I would have um, is everybody getting their hats, yeah. basically. Like between Jimmy getting his uh, his shirt in a frame and then going into the hats like that, that whole bit. Um, everybody's dejectedness is plays really funny um, with, <laughs> with the hats. How, how just pitiful these gifts are from a billionaire. It's crazy. Yeah. I, um, yeah. So I had those split into two different scenes. Um, you get, Cause we have one coming out of the credits. We have the staff giving Jimmy James his, his shirt. Uh, in which we get Bill uh, <laughs> protesting his right. involvement, uh, <laughs> whistling a little bit of I told you so, when, when Jimmy <laughs> is a little confused about what's going on, and then jumping in there to take credit. <laughs> we thought you'd like it. Uh, <laughs> as soon as he shows any type of appreciation. You know, so again, and then he gets them all hyped up. Oh, I forgot to give you guys uh, some presents. And then he gets everybody hyped up to run out into the uh, the elevator lobby. And then again, we get to, you know, when you're talking about the scene, they're all so excited to get the hats. And then they get the hats out and they've got to be polite. <laughs> I, think, I think Catherine just looking at it, you know, it's like, ugh. Um, and then even better when Jimmy leaves, you know, the fact that they just openly kind of bitch about it. And we get Bill uh, making fun of Dave wearing the hat, which is, which is one of my absolute favorite parts of the episode. Um, so yeah, so all I really did was clarify those two scenes and, and what I liked about them. Um, but Lauren, what was another one of your favorite scenes in this episode? Um, I like the scene where Matthew finally realizes that he got a crappy gift. <laughs> I like everyone discussing him like he's not there while he's wearing the headphones is really funny. Oh, yeah. And then I like his reactions when he realizes they get to keep the cars. Yeah, oh, um, that was really great with his, huh? Huh? <laughs> you know, it's just like escalates <laughs> to an aggressive laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah! yeah the, the very aggressive, like where he puts the, slaps the headphones on and just like yeah. ha ha. You know, <laughs> and everybody jumping back, like uh, this person is crazy. Uh-oh. Like it's a bomb that's about to explode. It's, it's just really great, really great scene. <laughs> I can't. I I just can't even think about it without without doing that line. Oh, Matthew. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that, oh, it encompasses honey. everything you feel watching Matthew, like yeah. realizing what he thought was going on, and then she says it, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's what that feels you guys like. Because are all jealous. <laughs> oh, math. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's when you realize it's a car wreck that you're about to see, you know? Right. <laughs> that was a train wreck. Um, that is, yeah, that is absolutely one of my, my favorite scenes as well. Um, <laughs> and again, just a great performance by Andy Dick in that scene, of, you know, running the gambit of, of being smug, <laughs> to, to being aggressively, laughing aggressively at somebody is something that I never really 
considering as far as a reaction. That's it's a first, um, as far as I know. Um, Tom, what's another another scene that you really liked in this episode? Um, everybody walking out to get the, the cars um, when they go through the lobby with uh, Junior Lorenzo just because of <laughs> above average hat, sir. <laughs> it's so good. Love that line. <laughs> oh. Um. So one of my other favorite scenes is when the uh, <laughs> is when the staff gets the cars down in the mm-hmm. actual garage and you know Jimmy is like oh, y'all got Miatas and he's like Beth you know like red that, that's you and and Catherine that's your favorite color uh, the rest of you guys just pick one I got impatient <laughs> uh, but the way that they all react to getting the cars Beth running around and they're jumping the cars beeping the horns to be as annoying right. as possible. <laughs> Like, in, that in, inside a garage. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? It's like, like, so annoying. No reason other than to just make noise. I like really imagining that scene from the perspective of a new person, you know, because you get that buildup of, like, this very sentimental, like, meaningful gift right. for Matthew. Mm-hmm. And then just, like, I don't know, a six-pack of sports cars for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so random and confusing and hilarious. Yeah. Really great. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and we get you know we get a lot of really great Bill lines in that scene. Just, mm-hmm. <laughs> just how it's the most insensitive that you can be in that situation to somebody who did not get a car. Bill will show us. He'll let you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So for the most part, I think those are those are a lot of the the major scenes that we had in the episode. Definitely the favorites. You know, I know we got all the ones that are on my list. Did either of you have another scene to add uh, to mention in the favorite scenes? Um, no, I think you guys hit on on all of mine. Tom, the the scene with uh, Bill and Santa, Jordan <laughs> Blefford. <laughs> um, that I that was one of my favorites too. In the bathroom. Yeah, in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. the confrontation. Yeah, yeah it's, and that should be mentioned. Really, it is a, um, it's like the emotional scene of the episode. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah, and, and then we, we get the the excellent ending scene right there of him playing the demo tape. I tell you, when he throws the demo tape in the trash, like that right there is just like boom. And I like he gives the bad guy where he puts both hands on the side of his head and slips yeah. his hair back, uh, like the classic kind of I'm a bad guy hair move. Um, Right, yeah. So again, he obviously jumps. He he comes back in and gives an impassioned Christmas speech, and Bill pulls it out, and and then we get that hilarious <laughs> what we do not see coming at the end of the episode of him playing the tape in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, special twist ending. Special there. twist ending. All right. So moving on to our next category, uh, it's going to be what quote uh, you find the most usable you'd want to use in real life. We are going to do favorite quotes after that, but I do think there is a distinction, and it is always good to, uh, you know, continue our list of lines that we try to infiltrate society with. Um, <laughs> so I think, time we're going to go first in this category. What quote did you find most usable or you'd want to use in real life in this episode? Uh, from Bill, what is this, some kind of pyramid scheme? Which... <laughs> <laughs> Which I really want to start using anytime, like the check comes if you're out to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Split the bill. What is this? Some sort of pyramid scheme? Like... <laughs> 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 yeah. 
yeah that's actually more usable than i thought you know like i never really considered how like how often you could can uh <laughs> accuse somebody you can get your water bill from the city what is this some kind of pyramid scheme oh, perfect perfect <laughs> <laughs> i tempted not to write a letter but such <laughs> Uh, all right, Lauren, what is one of your favorite quotes from this episode? Or, I'm sorry, what's the quote that you find usable or uh, would want to use in real life? Uh, one I have been using regularly now is above average hat, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get more usable than this. Literally, anytime you see someone wearing a hat, just above average hat, sir. <laughs> but you know, I think especially during the holiday season, this quote comes in like super handy because everybody's either wearing some sort of Christmas hat or even like one of those, what, like berets, the headpieces with like little uh, mm -hmm. reindeer antlers. Yeah. Antlers yeah. Or, or spring loaded little something. Elf, elf looking hat yeah. or something. Right. Everyone's gotten something. They've all got something festive going on. <laughs> it, it's definitely part of the delivery too. Cause it's a little bit dry or it seems a little bit dry. You can't <laughs> tell if he actually likes the hat or if he's trying to suck up and he hates the hat. Right. And I think that's exactly how you have to deliver it, you know? Like, yeah. Give somebody the stink eye and be like, above average hat, sir. You know, like, <laughs> almost, like, almost like you're working at, like, a fast food place. You know, trying to do a difficult customer. <laughs> no spit in that cop's burger. <laughs> I want a goddamn liter of cola. Um... Obviously, that is a great quote. Like you actually used that quote on me before we. Yes, uh, I did. <laughs> I had that quote like underlined and circled from the first time that I, I rewatched the episode. So, um, this is a quote that is like going to be used. Oh yeah, I can't stop now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's too good. Every time we watch the episode, that's the part <laughs> I'm, I start laughing the hardest at. Far from a chat, sir. Um. Okay, so uh, I think after that one for me, the one I'd want to use in real life, just kind of thing to throw people off, is nothing fits better than a dead man's shirt. <laughs> um, I think you can throw, like, you know what people say in front of that? You know what people say. Nothing fits better than a dead man's shirt. Um, <laughs> and it's both weird and kind of menacing and, you know, just doesn't really apply, I think, to a lot of situations that I have in my real life. But I think I could use it, and I think I could use it effectively. And probably a good way to shut down a conversation you don't really want to be a part of anymore. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> let's let's just end this here. <laughs> you know what they say. <laughs> you know, it's like what they say, you know? Nothing fits better than a dead man's shirt. <laughs> yeah, everyone's yeah. just going to be like, yeah, okay, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> and if they, if they say, who's they, you say, top men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, that's how, and that's what they recorded me saying, and that's why I'm telling this story from behind bars. <laughs> you know, like, that was an admission of guilt. I was going to my favorite show. <laughs> Above average chat, sir. <laughs> Above average chat, your honor. <laughs> just keep repeating it over and over again. Um, okay, Lauren, do you have another quote? Um, yes. Don't judge me too harshly, though, until you hear the explanation, okay? <laughs> this is oh, one boy. I've used in real life. Okay. Hello, future corpse. Prepare to die. <laughs> wow. Oh, very dark. I have actually said this to a spider before I brutally <laughs> murdered it with a shoe. <laughs> 
That's, that's an not so much to usage. people, yeah. not so much to people, but a spider, but I know some people put them outside. You make your way into my house and you're a spider, you're going to die. And this is a great line <laughs> to say to the spider right before you murder it. <laughs> I, th- I definitely think the phrase future corpse may give people the wrong impression in a lot of situations. <laughs> you know, how you speak to animals and insects, I think is probably a different, different level, but. I was really afraid that was like an office saying that you thought was was going to catch on. <laughs> Future Corpse, run these copies for me. <laughs> I don't think that means what you think it means. I think I might get some HR meetings for that one. Yeah. yeah. So. You can, you can put two of them together. Hello, Future Corpse. Above average hat, sir. <laughs> I think the real problem is if I'm ever in an HR meeting, that's the first thing I'm going to think of is supposed to be like, above average hat, sir. Like, <laughs> just to try to freak the ice. Especially because they're probably not wearing hats. <laughs> okay, Tom, did you have uh, another quote that you found most usable or you think you could squeeze in in real life? Uh, yeah. <laughs> These are the re- result of a cheap, crappy thought. Yeah, because <laughs> how often do you hear it's a thought that counts, and it's in regards to something that kind of sucks. So yeah, <laughs> that is definitely one, especially around the holiday season. You could definitely use that one a lot. Oh yeah, like that. Um, so so my next one that I think is usable is, well, I was hoping it never come to this, but I think you should fire him. which which i think you could use on anybody who's like doing a job for somebody else like whether they're doing a great job or a poor job like i think you can just kind of say that randomly and it still works you don't even really need that setup Uh, but anytime somebody's watching somebody else like i would say that to a mother watching their kid you know like (laughs) like you know look at them look at them on the playground trying to make a sea castle well Somebody never come to this, but I think you should fire him. <laughs> <laughs> like mom pinning up her kid's art on the refrigerator. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be incredible. That'd be incredible to, be, to pull that line out of some child's art. That's why I'm home at 8 o'clock on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i uh so yeah that's one i'm i'm hoping that i hold on to and maybe at some point somebody's doing such a poor job that i can kind of say it <laughs> you know like almost like i'm talking to another person right behind them I don't know. that works okay lauren did you have any more usable quotes uh one more that i think is pretty usable is well then that would suck <laughs> yeah just because there's a lot of things that would suck <laughs> yeah. especially when you're trying to cheer somebody up and they give you kind of the alternative <laughs> Well, that would suck. Yeah, it happens a lot. Like, you know, you try to be positive and, and someone always wants to throw that at you. Like, well, what about this? Sometimes you just got to agree with them. Yeah, well, then that would suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Very usable. Kind of depressing, very but fast. very usable. <laughs> yeah, your quotes have been a little bit on the dark side, Lauren. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's try to pick it up. This is, this is a holiday party. Holiday episode. Don't be that though. person at the holiday party. <laughs> go take an extra sip of eggnog. Let's get ready. Let's get ready to go. Um, Tom, do you have another usable quote? No more usable ones. I, they've all been used up. Yeah, I think the rest of mine are actually in the favorites category. So right. we are going to go to the favorites category. Uh, so, Tom, what's one of your favorites? Um, okay. 
Oh, wait, does that mean I don't get a real present? Yeah. <laughs> from Beth? <laughs> yeah. Really good. I, I love that. Um, you know, like, she's just been, get, like, she's been given a nice gift from Lisa. Like, she doesn't have to chip in for what I can only imagine was an expensive shirt um, in a frame. Uh, you know, getting the, getting the shirt frame has got to be fairly expensive itself. So, mm-hmm. you know, she got let off the hook there because, you know, we, we know she doesn't have a whole lot of money. So that's a nice gift. And then she's like, wait, I don't get a real present? <laughs> it's not a bad one. Lauren, what is one of your favorite quotes that uh, we haven't mentioned yet? This is uh, one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, for a little league team with attention deficit disorder. <laughs> Related to the hats with the names on them. I just like the idea that, like, yeah, these little kids, they, they got ADD so bad they can't even remember each other's names. So let's just put them on the hats. <laughs> Um, is that that's a Bill Catherine combo, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Catherine. But it comes so quick. I sort of, I, I, I feel like it's one line. <laughs> it works. Um, they work together. <laughs> yeah, just, I like it. To me, it's in steps because it's like for a little league team because the hats are just kind of a little league gift, but the names is what makes the, the ADHD <laughs> joke just hit. like right. Like, they're such they're so so distracted they can't remember each other's names without the hat. Like that's <laughs> that's the state of like um, you know having played little league. I think that that is actually kind of correct at a certain age. <laughs> Like, who's that kid? I don't know. Like, you've been playing for a month with him. You don't even know who the teammate is? No. <laughs> I call him Red Sweatpants. Um, red, for short. Yeah. Red? Right field red? Uh, all right. So, uh, so my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes, uh, is actually going to be an answer to, to Tom's pyramid. Hey, somebody's starting a pyramid scheme? I'd like to get down on that. <laughs> Like, when a billionaire comes in the door and starts jumping in a pyramid scheme, like, all right, I think it's funny. Is this something he regularly does? Is he making a joke? We don't know. We still don't know. <laughs> well, he's probably figured out, like, the pyramid scheme, you just be the guy on top of the pyramid, and if you're a billionaire, it's easy to do that. So <laughs> he's probably done that a lot. <laughs> again, this is the 90s before we had major damage done by pyramid schemes. You know, like, <laughs> Pyramid schemes are still kind of funny. <laughs> and not so life-shattering in the public yeah. eye. Um, all right, Tom, do you have another favorite quote to share? Uh, yeah. I think we all understand the... I think everyone understands the internal logic of the item yeah. <laughs> from Dave. Really good. Yeah. Um, about about how the, the patch on the hats work and everything. It's like, yeah, it's... We understand what the deal is with him, but it just still sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's a very polite way to tell your boss. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, we, know, we get it. Like, we're not the ones who aren't getting it right now. We're the one that's not getting it. Yeah, there's something about that, that line that is, it's just polite and kind of puts it out there. Yep. On my list, too. Uh, Lauren, do you have another favorite quote to share? Yeah, I like, yo, Santa, you've been harassing the captain here? <laughs> you know, I didn't even think uh, about it, but now that you say it, like, that is a line I look forward to all the time. Man, it's great. It's so great. It's, it's referring to Bill as captain that really, yeah. really makes the line. I mean, without that, it's just a so-so line. 
And I love that the response makes no sense. He's just like, ho, ho, ho. He's just oh. like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, he doesn't, no or he doesn't deny it. Yeah. And they're just like, see, see, what's yep. wrong with you? And Bill's got to go back over there. Bill's got some ad sales. <laughs> Yeah, now that you say that, that is a really good line. <laughs> it's so line. good. Yeah, I, I, I cannot figure out how to turn it into a usable line, but man, yeah. if I ever figure it out, I'll let you know because it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> captain. Like, I just want to go around referring to people as the captain now. You know, like, like go, go out to dinner. I'm just saying, do you mind getting the captain over here another cup of coffee? <laughs> Thank you, waitress. <laughs> uh, okay, so another one of my favorites that we haven't mentioned yet is Screw that! Anyone want to take a ride in my car? <laughs> it's such a, like, again, it's such an insensitive line to Matthew. Like, he's right. just, just like, Screw that! <laughs> anyway, oh, I'll be upstairs listening to my tapes. Screw that! Okay, I'm cars. <laughs> and, and he's like, who wants to take a ride? Basically, Matthew's the only one that would need to take a ride. Exactly, everybody. Else. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it's something about when he says that in the episode always does crack me up as well. <laughs> All right, let's go around uh, again. Tom, do you have another favorite quote to share? Uh, yeah, from Phil. And thus concludes the only enjoyment that any of us will get from these hats. <laughs> it was very like Dan. TV announcer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do love the hat jokes. Yeah. Um, Laura, another favorite quote? Um, I like Jimmy's quote. There's no need for tears here. It's just a six pack of sports cars. Yeah, I like to him like... Jimmy's like, yeah, cars, yeah, give me six of them, whatever, you know, like that's not even a big deal in his book. Like for six sports cars on yeah, the same that's, level that's a as typical hats. Tuesday. Basically right. on the same level as hats, as far as he's concerned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, oh, all right, yeah. No, well, we'll just get cars instead. Same deal. <laughs> they just won't have their names on them. Exactly. Well. Okay, so everything on my list has already been uh been been shared already. So does anybody have any more to share for favorite quotes? No, that was it for me. I think that about covers it. Okay. Uh, then we are going to move on to our favorite gags or bits and or bits in this episode. Um, I think, Lauren, you are, we're going to ask for your answer first. What is one of your favorite gags or bits in the episode? So I like the gag of everyone being perfectly happy with Dave making sacrifices for their benefit. <laughs> <laughs> like he's willing to give his car to Matthew to take make things me. right. Take it, Matthew. And take immediately, it. Yeah, everyone's like, yes, take Dave's car. Um, no one offers their car instead, obviously. And it kind of reminds me of uh, Big Day when Dave gives himself the shaft yeah. and he says it's to make everyone else feel guilty and no one feels remotely guilty, mm -hmm. not even for a second. Like, it's, it feels like a little bit of a running gag. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, and, I, you know, I like the way he's, like, got to muster up the offer. Like, he's going like, to be like, in the spirit of Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> take my car. Take his car. Take Dave's car. <laughs> Goes on. Uh, all right, Tom, what is one of your favorite gags or bits from the episode? Um, just the, the incompetent security guard 
bit, you know, which is just, it's yeah. great because he, he legitimately goes over with a threat that these guys should actually be taken care of and they have nothing to do with it. <laughs> I mean, it is a little ridiculous that Santa would threaten Bill, but it does happen and they do not investigate it whatsoever <laughs> other than, yo, Santa, you harassing the captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I, I would put that more as a relationship with Bill than anything He's else. cried wolf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like the way that they treat Bill, I think is a little bit different. So, uh, but yeah, having the, the, uh, conflict between Bill and the security guards, this is definitely a recurring bit that, that is enjoyable yeah. in every episode. Um, all right. So I'm actually going to go with just the hat. Uh, Bill's jokes about Dave in the hat. He, he gets the Dan joke in there, and then he gets the, it makes you look like a 12-year-old. Sorry, I thought that was the hat. <laughs> a great button, as they say, for the episode, uh, which includes a great Dave snatching the hat out of his hands and turning to walk in the office. So, um, of all the hats, all the hat jokes and all the stuff they did, those two were my favorite. So I, I just kind of love Bill's jokes about the hat. They got so much mileage out of those hat jokes. I mean, th- those were two really great jokes they got out of the hats. But, you know, we got the above average hat sir yeah, yeah. line and we, the Beth thinking that her said <laughs> yeah. Beth underneath the patch for a second. <laughs> then, oh, no, Bethel lighting and electric. And it like they got so much mileage out of some very cheap props. That's true. <laughs> I did not think of it from that angle. They, they maximized it for sure. They did. <laughs> All right, uh, Lauren, what is another favorite gag or bit you have for this episode? Um, the whole gag of Bill having a stalker. Like, no one ever believes him. Mm. And we see at least a couple instances where it's kind of true. Like, in right. Goofy Ball, there, was, there really was someone stalking him. And even if it was just to get an autograph and, and maybe it turned out he was harmless. Um, but, like, in this case, we see the, th- the threats are really happening and no one believes Bill. Right. And, you know, and then we get that, that bathroom scene where you think it's going to be some sort of the same thing as like the Dennis Miller thing where the guy's actually harmless, you know, but only to have the big twist at the end that no, no, this guy's a legit stalker who is really trying to kill Bill. <laughs> Just the fact that no right. one believes him, but it's kind of true. <laughs> and so that's the thing is that we don't know if any of the stalkers are real or if they just mock him because no one believes that they're real. Because I don't think anyone believed the Dennis Miller story. Right. If he comes back, yeah. he's like, you guys left yeah. with him. Like, Bill, you were chatting with that guy when we walked out of the office. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? We saw you, you know, it says he's in the back. They couldn't tell that he, he had zapped himself with those fun guns. Um, so, yeah. So I think that adds like another layer to it where it's like, is Bill, is Bill just being super paranoid or does he actually have people stalking him and nobody believes him in any case, yeah. any situation? Maybe there right. really were identical twins stalking him in shifts. We don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we get the immortal line, the Santa Claus in the lobby is trying to kill me. <laughs> Perfect. It's too good. Um, all right, Tom, did you have another favorite gag or bit to share? Uh, yeah. Um, Matthew in the cold open coming in, saving the fall. And then immediately going down as soon as Dave tries to give him a hand, it's like, no, I got it. Boom. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? It's really weird, but there's like it's kind of like comforting that that's how they ended that scene. Oh, you yeah. know, like, like something familiar just happened. It's like, all right, now we're back into it. Now I know what's going on. Um, it shouldn't be as funny as it is. I don't know. It works. I definitely enjoy it. 
Um, the uh, the only other gag or bit that I really liked was the stalker's threatening voice versus the normal voice. Uh, maybe because I've imitated the Batman voice so many times. <laughs> but I just love the kind of the regular. The, hey, it's me, the guy who gave you the tape. You're really going to die this time, Billy. You know, like, <laughs> you're a dead man. Um, <laughs> future corpse. <laughs> um, future corpse. Yeah, I just like the the differential between like the normal speaking voice and the threatening voice. I thought it was used really well. <laughs> That's that. All right. Does anybody have any more gags or bits to mention? That was it for me. Um, just they they kept mentioning the shirt in a frame or framed shirt, which was kind of funny, you know. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. simple one, but I liked it. Yeah, they did again. You know, they maximized the hell out of the jokes on the props. Because yeah. that is that was definitely more jokes about a shirt and a frame, a jersey and a frame, <laughs> uh, than I expected and expected to laugh at. On top of that, right? Um, all right, so we're gonna move on to the next category, which is favorite details, background catches, and adequate touches. Uh, so I think Tom is going first on this one. Uh, Tom, what was one of your favorite details, background catches, or adequate touches from this episode? Um, I just like the the touch that Jimmy knows junior and lorenzo's names that he, mm, like yeah. you know they're you know kind of down down the level uh employees but he still knows who they are and greets them yeah and i'm actually add on that jimmy james daps up lorenzo on the way out right and i'm like this yep. is the 90s like people weren't really dapping like that like that's real familiar like that's definitely right. kind of like a real real like we've these guys definitely know each other a little bit they have that kind of a familiar uh, a greeting. <laughs> you know, it's like, this guy's a billionaire. This guy's a security guard. He's just giving them dap on the way out of the building. Very casual, very smooth. Yeah. Uh, so that actually, that actually is one of my favorite details that I kind of wanted to add on there. Like, this is when people were giving high fives. Right. <laughs> not not yeah. dapping each other up. So I'm like, points for Mr. James. <laughs> um, Lauren, what is one of your uh, favorite details, background catches, or adequate touches? Um, so when Bill is going into Dave's office and he's about to inform Dave and Lisa that the Santa in the lobby is trying to kill him, he glances out the door at Beth and Beth just like quickly looks away, you know, (laughs) like she's, she already had plans of eavesdropping and she doesn't want to get caught. It's the greatest look. It's so tiny. You could miss it so easily, but it's, it's really brilliant. And it just totally sets up, you know, her laughing and then walking in the door, like not even trying to hide anymore. Like, this is just too hilarious. I'm not even going to try to pretend I'm not eavesdropping. Yeah, 100% agree. Like, that was so good. I debated jumping in right after time before you had a chance. Um, because you're right. It's like she's peering into the office and he looks at her and she just kind of looks away. <laughs> and then when she comes in laughing, it just completely comes together. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that she's like laughing with Lisa. It's like she comes in to laugh with other people about what right. Bill just said. <laughs> um, and you know, I can't tell if Dave starts laughing when Bill says it. Like I think he starts to try to control himself, and Lisa just can't right. help herself. Just, <laughs> no, she won't laugh either. Lisa's doing that like silent quaking laughing like like she's laughing so hard no sound is coming out (laughs) and then Beth comes in and it's like now it's on the table (laughs) fully uproarious yeah which she has done before or other times when she's finding somebody to be ridiculous will like and is actively laughing at them yeah she has that great (laughs) laugh yeah 
<laughs> so yeah, so no, that's a great background catch. You know, Beth definitely peers in, wants to know what's going on, and it sets up her mm-hmm. eavesdropping and actually coming in to, to fully laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so those uh, those actually both of those were basically on my list. So the only one I ever have is Joe's completely uncool dance over getting a car. Uh, when they get up, you know, <laughs> Catherine's like, "I'm gonna take mine on the highway expressway," or whatever she says, you know. And then Joe does some sort of like riding the pony, uh, oh, right, Bob yeah. <laughs> yeah, celebration. And I was just like, "Ooh, oh no." Like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that is not cool man like that's not okay so uh it's it's a little picky it's a little personal choice but that might be the most uncool thing joe has done on the series <laughs> no good um okay lauren do you have another favorite detail background catcher out of the touch um, another another background touch I liked was um, when Jimmy is explaining to Matthew that he now owns the rights to Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Mm. Bill is in the background over Jimmy's shoulder looking very suspicious. And it's like he's trying to figure out if Matthew's gift might be worth more than his gift. Like oh. a very calculating kind of look. I don't think Bill actually cares what the gift is. Yeah. I think he cares about the dollar value that it's worth. Yeah. So the second he starts thinking like, wait a minute, wait a minute could this be worth more than my car? Then he's starting to be like, wait, maybe I didn't get the, you know, maybe I got the short end of the stick here. And he's looking kind of suspicious. Remember (laughs) when he he finds out how much the DBX console is worth? And he's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, again, that just sets up, you know, the thing, anyone else got a problem? (laughs) Bill fidgets. Yeah, yeah, and then puts his hand back in his pocket. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, so if if you can see him actually kind of leading up to that moment, that's even better. <laughs> that's definitely great. All right, Tom, do you have another uh, detailed background catcher out of a touch? Yeah, um, when Lisa shows him the the framed shirt, and and uh, Beth. And Matthew going to way to go, Lisa, way to go, yeah. which is like I think I thought it was kind of a cool detail because they used like something from sports to, you know, that was the gift, and then yeah. they applauded her with a, a thing that you would hear at baseball or uh, basketball game. I was just like, man, I think Matthew just likes to chant a lot. Like, this is, <laughs> this is, it seems like he's always just looking for people to chant with him. Um, but that, yeah, that is, that's a good, you're right. You know, like, I think I feel like that, but I just never thought about it. Like it is like using a sports chant for a sports gift. Uh, it just, it just feels right. Right. <laughs> just feels right. <laughs> um, okay. Lauren, do you have any other favorite details, catches or adequate touches to share? Um, just one thing I thought was a, an adequate touch is when Jimmy's bringing down everyone to show them their Miatas, you know, the elevator doors open in the lobby mm. and there's two extras standing there and they sort of look like they're going to step into the elevator as soon as the doors open. And then they notice there's, you know, people there that need to exit and they step back and let them out, which is the natural thing you would do right in real life. You don't know if there's going to be an elevator full of people there. Right. Obviously, these are actors. They knew there were going to be eight people standing behind those elevator doors. It, it could have been, you know, it could have easily been a mistake of like, okay, yeah, the direction is you let them out and then you get on. Um, but they played it like like a real person would. Like, oh, let's get on. The, oh, no, wait, we can't get on the elevator. Yet. Okay, let these people out. Now we'll get on. Um, it just added like a tiny bit of realism to it. And I so I thought it was a nice touch. Nice. All right. Yeah, nice touch. I definitely focus so much on Lorenzo and Junior. 
that I actually don't even <laughs> see like the extras. <laughs> Above average chat, sir. <laughs> okay. Um, so before we move on to our next category, uh, our favorite wise man, Tom the Wise, is going to gift us with some fun facts about things mentioned in this episode. It's time for Half Truths and Gorilla Dust. Thank you, Thad. Thanks for making me sound like Gandalf. Um, appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so we have we have some gifts uh, that I kind of tried to do a little research on. Um, the the shirt that get uh, that is gifted to Jimmy is of Jumpin' Joe Dugan, uh, who was an actual baseball player. Um, he was born in 1897 and played in. Major leagues from 1917 to 1931 with five different teams, but mainly he's remembered for being on the Yankees from uh, 1922 to 1928. Um, played in uh, five World Series with them, won three. Uh, he was on the 1927 Murderers Row uh, lineup, very famous um, baseball lineup, uh, considered to be one of the best, maybe the best ever. Um, and yeah, he was known as a very good defensive player. He wasn't so much known as a, uh, a hitter, but he did bat uh, 280 for his career, so he wasn't mm. a slouch. But um, anyway, that was jumping Joe Dugan. However, he because he played then, it's it's interesting that Jimmy would find him to be his favorite player because presumably, unless Jimmy is immortal, um, <laughs> he he had stopped playing well before Jimmy was born. So very interesting that 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 would be his favorite player. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy uh, then gives uh, the staff Mazda Miatas. Um, Mazda Miata's been made since 1989 uh, to up till now, still still being manufactured. Uh, manufactured at the Hiroshima plant in Japan. Um, I, over Twitter, asked Lou Morton, who wrote the episode, um, about why they chose Miatas. And he said, well, they were kind of like a cool car back then, plus they were small, so you could get six of them on the set. And they're okay. sleek, and then they had convertibles, mm. so you could get a shot of people in them. So there was like production okay. reasons why that worked. And he said if it would have been like a year later, they probably would have gone with the Porsche Boxster or the uh, BMW Z24, which it, which came out the the following year. But they weren't out yet, so they went with the Miatas. Wow! And it, it was like, and he, he he said that they were. A nice, you know, it was kind of a nice sports car, but not too expensive. It wasn't something crazy mm-hmm. like Jimmy gave them all Ferraris or something like that. So it was <laughs> like not, it was it was a nice gift without going overboard. Yeah, like, um, oh no, Porsche Boxsters or yeah, BMWs, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those those would be a little more expensive. Yeah, um, Jimmy gives to Matthew uh, the tapes of Fibber McGee and Molly. Um, Lou said that he chose that show because it was like on in the 80s in philly at um oh, on am radio huh. they replaying some of them so he just that was naturally what he thought of um Fibber mcgee and molly uh again radio show was on nbc uh ran for 24 years uh from 1935 to 1959 um Fibber mcgee and molly were played by jim and marion marion jordan um a real-life husband-and-wife comedy team. They played yeah. the main characters. Um, and they were both born <laughs> within within a year of Jumpin' Joe Dugan. I just found that interesting. It's not really 
that germane, but like they, <laughs> he was born in 1896. She was born in 1898. So hmm. um, Jimmy liked that time frame for some reason. Uh, the, the show actually spawned uh, several movies, so it wasn't just a radio show. They, they, they attempted to make a TV show out of it, but it didn't, didn't survive very long. Um, and the last thing, uh, Jimmy mentions OPP, which was a song uh, by Naughty by Nature, uh, came out August 24th, 1991, reached number six on the U.S. Chart, charts, um, which was, I think at the time, uh, one of the bigger rap songs, the high, one of the highest uh, charting yeah. rap songs up until that point. Um, sampled uh, the bass line from ABC by the Jackson 5. Um, really really great baseline um but that has been your half truths and gorilla dust um happy wny xmas <laughs> all right uh, thank you tom for those half truths and holiday gorilla dust uh, <laughs> All right, so we've got a couple more categories here to, uh, to keep on rolling on. We've got episode enigmas. And so Tom actually answered my number one, which is why was it Mazda Miatas instead of any other car? <laughs> I, was, I was really like, it's a cool car, but as you said, production-wise, it made a ton of sense. They were small, you small. had the, the convertibles, um, and it definitely worked for the scene, and it was definitely more believable than BMWs or <laughs> or or whatever the other car was, Boxsters, Porsches. You know what's funny is those cars are so small are that nice. Andy Dick probably would have had a tough time actually even driving a Miata. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he said it was like, I was in a Miata and that thing was tight. You know, and, uh, so like Bill probably, you know, Phil Hartman probably had a tough time kind of getting in his and uh, Andy Dick definitely would have had a tough time getting into a car. So who knows? <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, Lauren, what is one of your episode enigmas that Tom has not already solved for us? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know which end of a candy cane is the business end. <laughs> it's gonna be uh, like because the, the, the non crooked end. end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not the hook. Because if it's if it's because it, if it's it's got to be the straight end if it's going through the neck, right? right? Mm -hmm. But if you think about like the business end of something, it's usually the end that does something. Well, that that would be the hook end. That's the end that does something, right? Well, not if you're stabbing it's someone. to the dangerous <laughs> end. I think anytime you say the business end, you're talking about the dangerous end. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like the business end of a gun is the barrel. But yeah. that's the, the business end of the knife is the point. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> I know you work with Lauren, uh, with numbers, Lauren, but you know, we're not talking about the, the tax deductible uh, end of this. We're talking about the business end. <laughs> all right that was pretty terrible um tough <laughs> what is one of your episode enigmas okay what did matthew think the sound was if not stuff falling out of the closet <laughs> what <laughs> what did he think was going on that is a good one <laughs> there's absolutely no way to tell what was going on in no. matthew's mind, but like, yeah why would you not recognize in the context He's going to the closet. Everything falls out. What? <laughs> Just then, a, a, an avalanche occurred. <laughs> I like how Bill predicts it. <laughs> Bill predicts something you didn't even hear. That's funny. funny. And then, of course, he brings it back in the joke, which makes it all worth it. Um, so my other, I'm going to go to my next, my car question is, what kind of car was Jimmy driving? 
Like that was a nice that was a nice little classic type of ride there. I was like Let's have some more information on this bad boy. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody out there knows, but that, that car is really nice. I definitely wonder what, what make and model it was. Looked like a Cadillac or something uh, along that line, you know? Yeah, I, I, but yeah. I couldn't even tell the year. You know, I couldn't get like a general well, feeling oh, yeah, of yeah. a year on it because of uh, just the way it was 50s, parked. 60s. Yeah, like it was it was like a classic yeah. yeah, we didn't get, like, a full wide shot no, of it, you know? No. We, they, he was standing in front of it, or we got just, like, the back end of it. Yeah, but we it, didn't get, like, a It had, like, the whole bench seat, which, you know, yeah. by yeah. that point, they weren't making cars like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely a cool billionaire car, but I'm just yeah. like, what was it exactly? Because, you know, was it, yeah. he, um, he opens it up to get the tapes out for Matthew. So right. we know mm-hmm. that it's his car. You yeah. Know, that it belongs to him. <laughs> that's a storage unit. <laughs> just storage <laughs> tapes in the car, and plastic car. <laughs> so, so that question probably is answerable by uh, by some sort of car buff who really knows their stuff, but not by us. Unanswerable. <laughs> <laughs> enigma. Uh, Lauren, did you have another enigma from this episode? Okay. Um, Bill got a brand new car that day. It looked nearly identical to five other cars in the same parking garage. Bill picked which car he would be his at random. How did Stalker Santa know which brake lines to cut? Mm. <laughs> that's a great question. That is a really good question. That's a plot hole. Man. Did Santa follow them out to the parking lot and was like waiting by the door and was watching which one he got in? Is that possible? Well, like they must have taken a ride. At some point, they must have driven the cars during the day. You know, like, they didn't wait till the end of the day. They definitely, like, on their lunch break, whatever. So there was an opportunity, but, like, not from the lobby, right? Like, how would he know? Security probably told him. Lorenzo probably told him. <laughs> <laughs> Lorenzo was like, the captain? Oh, yeah, he's driving the black one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is a great question, though, because I really, you're right. Like, how would he know which cars breaks to, to cut? Mm-hmm. Now, here's a question. In rap, I think Bill has a Miata again. Is it the same one? Or did he get did he get a new one after he uh crashed mm. crashed the the one that he's gifted in this episode? And in our fiftieth episode. He's, All right. he's seen driving the Miata when yeah. he has that altercation uh on, on the street with the, the traffic cop. That's right. <laughs> I mean, like, you could argue that Bill did drive to work, so his old car is the one that he was driving home, and he left a new one there to go pick up the next day, maybe, which doesn't sound like Bill, mm-hmm. but it's more, like, possible. Um, could be. But, <laughs> obviously, his love of Miatas started with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> After this episode, Miatas all the way. Right. <laughs> The Again, I just think it's so small. Um, you know, I think about the story of, of uh, was it John Madden? Had like a, a VW bug, and like John Madden was like six four. He was a big guy, so mm-hmm. it was always like he took the front seat out and just drove from the back seat. <laughs> like that was how tight that car was. I think it was a bug. I could be wrong about that, but like that's how tight that car was. And like Tom, I think you remember. Remember when they had like it was like the Fiestas, which were oh, like, yeah. these, like Ford little, Fiesta, yeah. tiny mini, like like smaller than Mini Coopers, maybe. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's about the same goes. size. Yeah, yeah, like a, a U- that and like Yugo. Yeah, Do you remember yeah, those? Yeah, yeah, the Yugos, yep. I mean, basically, it's, it's these are like one step away from Steve Urkel's, you know, opening the front door like it's a refrigerator to get in. <laughs> and, and <drive> along. 
So. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into Car Talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except Lord, I know, Lord, I'm like, oh yeah, you mean the red one? Like, yeah, that was a good car. <laughs> I, I'm just Mazda? in my head going, big guy in a little car. <laughs> <laughs> Especially that John Madden style. Um. Okay, uh, I have, right, so my episode Enigma, my last one is, who slash how did the hat gift plan get implemented? Because I don't know if Jimmy James ironed all those patches on himself. <laughs> like, it seems unlikely, but not impossible. And then, so that means he delegated this. And so somebody was like, this is a good plan, sir. Give these hats with your names on them. <laughs> To the, or somebody had to like you know iron the patches on by hand so he could give these gifts out like how I, did this plan actually get from idea to implementation like who who really dropped the ball which one of his handlers dropped the ball on this i'm blaming jane lynch it, for this. i think she probably got hired in the wake of this hat fiasco no she was actually <laughs> you see her in the episode before this which was the king oh, okay oh and whoever it was who ironed on the patches, did he, was he like, hey, iron on one for yourself, too, you know? And then they got their own hat on which they had to iron on their own name. <laughs> she probably had to order too. the patches and find the hats. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, who thought that this was a good idea for a millionaire to give out these hats and didn't even be like, uh, sir? <laughs> sir? <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that's kind of my, my enigma is like, who's really responsible for the gift hat plan? <laughs> Who ordered the name patches? Um, all right. Do either of you have more enigmas? I do. Um, okay. So here's a question. Why would Jordan Belfort think that giving Bill his mixtape or his mixtape, his demo tape is going to help his career? Like Bill's not hiring anybody so what's bill gonna do maybe give it to his agent i don't know but it just seems very strange that he would go to all this effort to do to advance his career with the demo tape why wouldn't bill hmm. kind of look at that like that's weird um i agree with you in a logical standpoint but i'm like i think in the 90s that was like a common thing right like like oh we got to get this dj our our band's hot single and they're gonna put us on like yeah, I but just kind of feel like DJ. no, no, no. I feel like like logically, I agree with you. I just saying like I feel like it's a, a '90s trope, you know, of like you've got to get the the almighty tape. Like basically, we don't question him in the episode giving that tape uh, because we're like, oh, I've seen this on three different sitcoms of somebody trying to give a tape to a radio personality. Uh, but you questioned it, and you rightly so because it does not make a lot of sense. Um, also, you are deliberately calling him Jordan, correct? Sam Belford yeah. is what he oh, says. Geez. Jordan Belford is Wolf of Wall Jordan Street. Is Wolf so of Wall Street? That's true. Like, I have been <laughs> yeah. I really hitting this character kind of hard. Like, <laughs> oh, no, I am not a scumbag, huh? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, he is a murder. He attempts to murder Bill. So yeah, he is a scumbag. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, just, I'm like, I'm like, Tom's doing this on purpose, right? Like he's, he's, he's no, I really, I was his character. I was not. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> okay. to say, right. Because <laughs> again, Bill mis Bill mispronounces his name after right. he pulls it out of the trash, uh, which is how I think we get to where we are with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Like the 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 logic of giving somebody your tape, a demo tape, in the hopes of getting put on, is very 
<laughs> very odd, to say mm. the least. Well, and not just to get played on the air. Like, he wants a right. job doing what Bill does. Like, that's right. that's the part that's weird. That's yeah, point, right. if it was like, hey, I did, I made this pre-recorded editorial. If you could just play it on one of your segments, that'd be awesome. Like, that that to me makes more sense than, like, he wants he wants Bill's job, you know? Right. Bill didn't hire himself. Somebody else hired him. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, basically pass this on to somebody else. Yeah. I'm going to stalk you until you pass this on to somebody who will actually be <laughs> Oh, stalker logic. <laughs> um, all right, do we have any more enigmas that we want to go over? I'm tapped. Nope. All right. I think we gave this episode a thorough going over. <laughs> You've got a lot to answer for, episode. Um, all right, going into our next category is our keepsakes, our non-holiday-themed keepsakes. Uh, so, Tom, what is, what is something that you would take from this set, take from this episode as a keepsake? Uh, the box of tapes uh, with Fibber McGee and Molly. Ah, yeah. The infamous, was it 36 yeah. hours? I can't remember how many hours. <laughs> yeah, 32, 32 hours. 32 hours <laughs> yeah. of crap falling out of closets. <laughs> which, which has to be underselling it, but yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That's definitely a good keepsake. Uh, Lauren, what's something you would take from the episode? I want Junior's hat. I mean, okay. any of the hats would be good, but Junior's is specifically noted as being above average. Um, so I'd prefer that one. And also, I just think Junior, like a hat that says Junior, I, I, oh, I think yeah. I could walk around rocking that a little bit. I think that'd be fun. That's good. Yeah, on my list, I put one of the hats. I'm like, does it really matter which one? Not really, but you have a strong point. Like, Junior is probably the guy that you want to go for. That, that you get Rockaway Lumber and you like it. Okay. You know what's the weird part is like, it is kind of my favorite of all the companies that are mentioned. Mm. <laughs> like, Rockaway Lumber, like, yeah, no, that's the cool one. You know, like, Passaic like, mini storage, mm, nah, nah. Bethel lighting and electric, nah. nah. Rockaway Lumber, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure that Rockaway is actually like a place in New York, in the state of New York, right? It's a town. Rockaway of- Beach. Yeah. See, like, song. Yeah, it's probably not even. It's not just a cool name. It's an actual place. Yeah. Um, Passaic is uh, New Jersey. In New Jersey. Right. Yeah, I'm like, what yeah. is mini storage? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, that like Passaic <laughs> mini storage. I'm like, what is mini storage? Like, there's storage units. Yeah. Are they like half? smaller? Yeah, like, probably. You put your mini fridges in there. That's where you store them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was terrible. Um. It, Okay, so so my keepsake uh, is going to be the demo tape from Sam Belford, the Stalker. Uh, mm. I think I can kind of put that on a wall like it's a like it's a platinum classic, um, <laughs> and look at it and do the voice. <laughs> Which will sound like Batman after the Batman <laughs> voice. <laughs> Future dead man. <laughs> Future corpse. <laughs> Come here, I want to tell you a holiday secret. <laughs> Maybe I'll get the button you can push. So you push the button and it has it has one of his lines come out. <laughs> a special frame for it. Like the like the fish frames that sing. I get like a Santa frame. <laughs> you press the button. Oh, Santa. <laughs> You're a dead man. <laughs> I'm going to take your arms off and beat you to death with it. <laughs> um... All right. Do we have more keepsakes? Tom, did you have another one on your list to mention? Um, 
the Miata. <laughs> I take yeah. the black Miata. No yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be bad to have a Miata. Uh, I feel like you have to get it custom painted, though. Like WNYX across the hood. <laughs> <laughs> you just have a regular Miata. It's got to be a special. Special edition. Okay. Uh, Lauren, another keepsake from you? I like the frame that Jimmy's shirt came in since he's obviously not using it anymore. Um, so I think I could use that to display any of the previous wardrobe items I've stated that I wanted as keepsakes in this category. Ah. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> practical. <laughs> you need two index cards, but I guess that's pretty practical. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, my second one was really going to be one of the hats. Like I said, to me, it didn't matter before Lauren gave me. Excellent reason for getting juniors, which is the best one, because we know for a fact it is an above-average hat, sir. <laughs> okay, anybody else, any other keepsakes to mention? Nope. Nope. Uh, maybe the Walkman. You uh, know, Matthew, Matthew's got that Walkman. Those 90s head. I think you have to laugh like that if you're walking around with that Walkman. <laughs> no matter what you're listening to, you got to just like laugh maniacally and aggressively. <laughs> yes, but it is such a good look of him like putting it on his ears, you know, and like yeah. signaling very clearly. He kind of slaps him on. Yeah. That's a good That's a, that's a really good one. Yeah. All right, so uh, we can go to our MVP and runner-up. So we just want to kind of, again, highlight who we thought did a great job in the episode. I would not be shocked if we all had kind of the same list. Uh, Lauren, who is your MVP of this episode? Bill. Tom? Uh, Sam Belford. <laughs> oh, there's a curveball <laughs> because mine was definitely Bill as well. Um, okay. Tom, why do you think that Sam was the MVP of the episode? Well, he uh, successfully stalks Bill. He he gives him his demo tape, and eventually gets him to crash. So I, I feel like he checks off all his boxes that he wants to in this episode. He's the most successful character. Exactly. That's actually probably true. <laughs> the He's the most successful. All right, Lauren, why did you think it was Bill? Um, I, it's these big emotional swings yeah. that Bill is so good at. Um, and I just love seeing him display that sort of talent. So he's got this big show of being jolly with the Santa and then realizing the Santa wants to kill him. And then the angry and scared reaction that he gets is great. And then, um, he, the embarrassment he feels when he's trying to talk to Dave about his stalker. And of course it was rightly so yeah. because he gets <laughs> laughed right out of the office and, um, then it's all forgotten, and he's all overjoyed when he gets the car. Like, uh, yeah, someone's still trying to kill him, but he's like, oh, who cares? I got a car, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we almost get a heartfelt scene with him and Sam Belford, you know? Almost, like, so close. You know, chuck the tape in the, in the trash, <laughs> do the so super good. villain, yeah, I love swipe that. the hair. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he's got a little Christmas joy going. And then all of a sudden, cut to fear for his life again. So it was a brilliant <laughs> performance. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I thought Bill's MVP. Again, maybe it's a, he, they gave him the most to do. Uh, they give him the most to just kind of react to. But, uh, but yeah, I thought overall his performance was just top-notch. He gets to, he gets to interact with a couple different characters. And, and, you know, again, he's got Dave behind closed doors, Dave and Lisa. And he's got the whole crew scenes. <laughs> Screw that! Who wants to go for a ride in my car? <laughs> we got cars! Um, all right, so my first runner-up was actually Dave. Lauren? Matthew. Oh, and Tom, who was your runner-up? Dave. Okay. 
All right, so Tom, <laughs> why don't you tell us why Dave was uh, the runner-up in this episode? Um, because he successfully lobbies Jimmy into getting, you know, he pushes mm. Jimmy in the right direction into getting them better gifts. Um, he's the one that actually kind of tries to look after Matthew like, yeah. by offering his car. <laughs> Obviously, it's not accepted, but he's he's at least making the attempt. So he's being like the bigger person in, in that episode. So. Yeah, and I also had Dave. I think he he gets to do the most reacting, you know. It's every, everything gets kind of thrown at him, and he just got to keep on reacting to it. He's got the awkward job of telling a billionaire who just gifted <laughs> cars, like uh, somebody has a problem with it, or the hats, you know, that Jimmy was super super excited to give out. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think Dave really he just got a lot to do in this episode, um, you know, next to Bill. So that's why I had him as a runner up. So, Lauren, breaking from tradition, why Matthew? <laughs> um, I, I agree. Matthew does not have as much to do as Dave in this episode. But I think what he does have to do is so impactful to the episode. Mm, okay. Like we talked about, the reaction to the tapes was so great. And him just walking around clueless, like, I got tapes, you know? <laughs> he was so happy about it at first. <laughs> and, and, um, and then it finally sinks in that his gift seems crappy in comparison once, it, <laughs> once he realizes. Then his reaction is great, you know, with this... Huh. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then him being all passive aggressive towards Jimmy, we don't see that a whole lot. He doesn't right. really confront Jimmy very often ever. And um, yeah, he kind of like, it wasn't really that direct, but he was definitely being a sarcastic ass towards Jimmy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then followed by him being sort of drunk on power when he realizes <laughs> he owns the rights and he's going to do Fiverr McGee and Pepsi yeah. and it's going to be great. And so I did think it was a great Matthew episode just because of the bits that he did have were so strong. I agree. You know, even chanting early at the meeting, you know, it's like he had, he had a presence <laughs> yeah. right away. That's good. That's good. All right, so we don't have to talk too much in depth, but I think we we all prepared three. Uh, Lauren, who was your third? Um, so my third one was Dave. Okay. Yeah. Tom, who was your third uh, on your list? Uh, my third was Jimmy. I also had Jimmy. Um. Yeah. Again, for me, like he just he just came in and he was uh he was his usual force, uh, just delivering uh. I don't want to say delivering comedy because that's that's a lame phrase, but that's exactly what he does. Uh, yeah, you know, he just comes in, he plays the straight man to Dave a little bit. I like when he shuts the door on Dave looking at the office. Yep. You know, Dave's just like, oh, sir, I hate to even ask. He just shuts the door in his face <laughs> as he leaves to buy me honest. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I thought it was a good Jimmy episode too. A lot of a lot of screen time, a lot of the Dave Jimmy interaction. Um, and, and again, he's looking directly at Bill when he asks if anybody else has a problem with the gifts. <laughs> and just seeing Bill just kind of think about it and squirm and decide not to do it. <laughs> too good, too good. Okay, uh, so we are going to move on to our Freakzilla report. Straight from the message boards, all the best and worst reactions to this episode at the time that it aired. Lauren? Okay, so this is another episode that predates the regular posts on the message boards, but just barely. Like, the post got going in January of 96, so just a couple okay. episodes later. But don't worry, I found plenty of reactions to this episode from later posts. In July of 1996, someone named Dan, not Dave, I presume, posted about how much he loved this episode. 
he thought it broke away from all the normal Christmas sitcom cliches by not being heartfelt and no one feeling all warm and fuzzy. And there were lots of people, um, lots of posts about people talking about the twist ending where it turned out the Santa really was trying to kill Bill. And I think that ties into breaking the Christmas cliches, you know, because when Bill pulls the tape out of the trash, you feel like, oh, okay, this is this is where we're going to get the sitcom trope. We're like, okay, yeah, he's he's kind of a jerk most of the time, but now he's feeling the Christmas spirit only to find out that um, Bill was right all along and Santa really was a stalker. Um, This episode came up in a post in 1999 about guest stars who had played multiple characters on the show. Someone named Abe was trying to compile a comprehensive list of all the characters or all the actors who had played more than one role. And I'm guessing Abe didn't know about the Internet movie database back then. (laughs) But um, (laughs) someone named Shing pointed out that David Anthony Higgins had played both the Santa from this episode as well as the manager from Lucky Burger. And Abe could not believe that he had forgotten about the devil guest star appearance. And then lots of people chimed in to say that they liked him better as the Santa than as the Lucky Burger (laughs) manager. (laughs) So they like him killing Bill, I guess. Um... Someone named Jay had a bone to pick with this episode in October of 96. He felt the writers were out of touch because he thought it was too absurd a plot idea that Mr. James would give the staff members each a Miata and they would be happy about it. (laughs) So for one, he thought it was an absolute joke of a vehicle. And... um, (laughs) Which, you know, um, and two, he argued that, um, you know, you're giving someone an expense as a gift, basically. Um, But if he had talked to Lou Morton, uh, much as Tom did in his Half Truth and Gorilla Dust, he would have known that there were practical reasons that it had to be a Miata. (laughs) Practical reasons. Yes. On December 21st, 1999, a person known only as Piano, who some of you may know was a very talented cartoonist who created some incredible news radio art, posted a link to some art they had created with the caption, have a merry little stalking Christmas. And stalking (laughs) is spelled like stalker, not like the thing you hang by the chimney. And I've got to believe this art was related to this episode. Someone named Mary commented, I love the grimace you gave Bill. (laughs) And someone named Will said, the Santa's pose looks very Grinch-like. That is, if the Grinch had a knife. (laughs) So I always click those links, even though I know it's just going to be a 404 error. But boy, do I wish we could see that. Yeah, now I'm curious. Piano, if you're out there, please, please get in contact (laughs) with us. Let us know if your art is posted somewhere that we could still enjoy it. And that has been this episode's Freakzilla Report. All right. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, We have just a couple more categories here to finish up talking about this regular episode. Uh, So our next category is actually just a general discussion about the cast. Just kind of making sure we point some things out about the cast members in this episode. Um, Tom, did you have any general discussion about the cast that you wanted to bring up? Yeah. um, When Bill is in the bathroom and confronted by the Santa, he kind of goes into almost his Charlton Heston voice. It's like, you mean to tell me, you know, he's very <laughs> yeah. gro- growly. Yeah. And it's it, that I always clock that every time I watch that episode, how, how very, how different he makes his voice when confronted with Santa. Okay. All right. Yeah. Again, the great Phil Hartman just knows how to hit the notes. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Lauren, what's uh, something you'd like to bring up about the cast? Um, I just really enjoyed David Anthony Higgins 
performance as the stalker Santa. And I know we talked about his voice and stuff like that, but I thought he played a great menacing Santa. Mm. Um, and it was so perfect the way he looked so jolly and harmless when everyone else was looking, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, no one would believe he was a threat. And then his delivery of the threatening lines was just so perfect. And then in that bathroom scene, you know, he pulls off the hat and the beard and he just looks like this sweet guy, you right. know, and he's using his nice voice. Yeah. He's like very sincere um, and harmless and lovable. And then of course on the tape, we get back to that very menacing, <laughs> threatening voice again. <laughs> I just thought he did a fantastic job. It's like a twist on the Michigan J frog um, cartoon <laughs> where he did like, and everybody thinks the guy that, and seeing this frog dance and sing is crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good comparison right there. Probably where they got the information, uh, the the inspiration from. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, awesome. So I, I we already talked about Matthew. I did want to know his great Matthew performance. I think Lauren did a great job of, of kind of pointing that out. Uh, but I also thought it was a good Beth episode. Um, you know, Beth yeah. kind of gets, she gets a little bit of the spotlight. She gets, uh, works herself into this, <laughs> this frantic pace that this whole, um, just the whole episode kind of moves at. And of course I love the line, just cars, we've got cars. <laughs> I don't yeah. own a TV, Very, like, but I've got a car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, there's something about that that really kind of seals that scene in, you know, just kind of the, the mood <laughs> that everybody's in of getting these cars. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was at least worth mentioning that, you know, it, it was a pretty good Beth episode, but you had a lot to do. I like the outfit. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Worth yeah. yeah. Um, pocket watch is back. <laughs> yeah. The pocket watch is back. <laughs> it's, it's, doesn't seem like she really cares about time. So that makes it even more curious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Do we have any more general discussion that we wanted to bring up? Lauren? No, I think that was the main thing I wanted to bring up. All right, Tom? Yeah, I'm all good. Um, and the last thing I wanted to mention was it's kind of an empathetic Catherine episode. Like, she's the only one that really shows uh, any empathy, maybe a little too much empathy for Matthew in certain parts. Although she's still like, take Dave's car, honey. Take Dave's car. <laughs> um, but I thought, you know, again, I, I keep an eye on kind of how Catherine is used. And I thought it was interesting. She was the one that kind of uh, commiserated with Dave a little bit. Not commiserated, but you know, uh, empathized uh, with, with Dave about the situation that Matthew was kind of in. Um, which, again, just, just makes it funnier when he realizes what the actual present was for them. <laughs> All right, uh, so we're going to go to our, our last category for our regular categories, which is the catch-all. Just kind of mention anything that we didn't get to um, about this episode. Uh, Tom, do we have anything in the catch-all category that you wanted to bring up? No, I think we've covered everything already that I had. Awesome. All right, Lauren? Okay. I feel like um, Bill's overall look changes a lot over the course of the series. Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes he has glasses, sometimes not. His hair might be combed back or parted on the side. His suits have a variety of different fits and styles and stuff, but... Anyway, this particular look in this episode, I feel like might have been the basis for the entire aesthetic behind Jack Coleman's character on the show Heroes. 
I don't know if yeah. either of you guys yeah. watch that yeah. or you know what I'm talking about. His character, the, the Noah glasses, Bennett, yeah. the man with the horn rim glasses, he was known as for a long time on that show before they realized or revealed his true identity or whatever. But anyway, if you get a chance, Google image search Jack Coleman heroes and just tell me if I'm imagining it or not. Because it's like the hair and the glasses and the way the suit fits and everything. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. I'm it's like McNeil. a little too similar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a, like, uh, like maybe I, there were some news radio, radio fans like doing a costume and wardrobe on Heroes. I don't know. <laughs> Did he ever slick his hair back? Both the ends of the side of his head. <laughs> <laughs> that's the dead giveaway. I'll have to do a rewatch and let you know. <laughs> dead giveaway. That's funny. I I just rewatched that in the last year. Really? Heroes, okay. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I I think you're absolutely i i was thinking that when watching this episode i was like yeah it kind of looks a lot like jack coleman um other than the fact other than the fact that he wouldn't normally wear like a three-piece suit that's the only difference but everything Mm -hmm. else is yeah spot on (laughs) i have not rewatched heroes in a while (laughs) i cannot contribute (laughs) sorry um okay so the only thing i really had in a a catch-off for this uh, for this part a um I wanted to mention why Jimmy's so excited about the hats. You know, so I know that's a little bit of kind of the gift giving a little bit, but I thought when you think about the whole episode, that's the part that really kind of stands out a lot. It's like, why is he so excited to give the hats? Um, and what I thought was like, they're the only personalized gifts that he's given. Like the fact that they have his oh. the names on them is why he's so excited to give them for him very personalized gifts. And, like, that's the only reason I think I can come up with why he's so excited to give them hats, which obviously are a crappy, crappy gift. Um, <laughs> so I think when we think about the entire episode, just kind of overall, I kind of feel like that that kind of hangs over, and we can talk a little bit more in the in the Part B section of it. Um, but I, I feel like that's one thing that it did not click for me until one of our rewatches here. And once you kind of think about that, it, it actually, to me, it makes the episode make a lot more sense. You know, like, mm. he's really pumped to give him these hats. But for him, he doesn't give personalized stuff. He just kind of sends off orders or, you know, they're very general type things. You know, so mm-hmm. the internal logic aside. Um, <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting thing to mention just in, in, <laughs> in some otherwise unexplainable behavior. Right. It's not like I'm giving you 50 pounds of peanut butter. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but is he putting their names on the peanut butter? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Okay. All right. Awesome. So now that we're all cozy and familiar at this party, uh, it's time to go grab some eggnog or some other suitable holiday beverage. And you can join us for some real holiday focused discussion uh, of this episode in part B. Good night, pumpkin. We thought you'd like it. Above average pantyhose, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by the gift shop on your way out. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for abs of fever.